Welcome back, everybody. Time for one of our favorite shows. It's time for This Week with Wendy, the only show that shows you the real SoCal estate of mind. With our host, Wendy Ross, who after decades of working at real estate brokerages in Silicon Valley and here in OC, decided it was time to open something different. And so she did a different real estate business model called Veracity Real Estate. She thought the time was right for renewed commitment to bespoke client advocacy at all price levels. Yeah, we said all price levels, something you seldom see here in high-cost communities like Southern California. And out of it, she's built a company of data-driven real estate investment advisors who, above all else, are here to tell us the truth, even if we don't want to hear it. So today, Wendy's going to jump into that. I think she's going to tell us some truths we may not be ready for. Is that the truth, Wendy? I, I can't imagine that I would say anything you weren't ready for. <laughs> I'm never ready for this show. You just constantly keep me off guard, whether it's your updates or the unusual, eclectic group of people. Uh, interesting. Maybe I shouldn't have said unusual. I should have said interesting, eclectic I, I, group. Let's just say extraordinary. It's not what I expected, and, and right? that's what keeps me guessing every week here. Well, isn't that the point of the show? I mean, if I was just saying the same old thing, nobody would listen. So I'm you're listening. welcome. I'm listening. Okay. All right. Well, and to your point, I mean, I always bring a point of view that no one's expecting. And I do market analysis differently than everyone else. And one of the ways I can bring you market analysis you don't find anywhere else is by surrounding myself with people like Bruce. You know, I want to have the greatest minds around help us talk about how to make your home the best investment it can be. So this week we've got Bruce Braveroff. He's the founder of Your CFO LLC. And he's going to talk about housing and inflation. Sexy. So thanks for joining us, Bruce. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. So as, as you know, every week, this is This Week with Wendy, every week I do a quick rundown on what happened in the prior week in real estate in Orange County. So in terms of the statistics, we had a few fewer new listings come on the market, which dismays me, because as we move into spring, we want to see increasingly more listings come on week over week. But we were down 11% with 343 new housing units, which is not terribly much. Conversely, 559 housing units did open escrow in the prior seven days. That was up 15%. So I think you know what that means, right? Yeah. We sold 353 units. That was down 2%. But because so many more surged into escrow, our average median, oh, sorry, median days on market was, again, seven days. So in just one week, people are flying under contract. And the median price ticked up, again, another 2% in seven days to 965888 So... Those people who like eights will love that number. It's a very auspicious number. And we maintained, we maintained, in spite of the higher median price, the same 106% of list price to close price ratio. Actually, it's close price to list price ratio. We're still selling 6% above list price, even though we keep jockeying that up week over week. And we're just trying to figure out where this market is going. So I know Bruce is shaking his head. It's like, this data does, does not bode well for buyers now, does it? Well, it's also classic inflation. Exactly. That's, I mean, what you're seeing now is the values of things are going up quicker than incomes and other things, and that's right. inflation. And I think a lot of people forget, because we haven't seen it in so long, that inflation literally means it costs more for stuff. Right? Yeah, everything. And it, right. it, I, I heard a great quote today that your haircut isn't stuck on a ship somewhere. <laughs> its cost still went up, and that's it's true. it's across the board. 
Yeah, it, it's insane. And and what I find interesting and I'm dying to ask you about is that I remember the gas lines when I was a little girl. You know, I remember being in the cars and everything cost more money and we were actually um, rationing gas and, and other things. Obviously, this go around is a little bit different and we do have ships in San Pedro or outside San Pedro waiting to get in. So there are some supply chain issues, but that's not the whole story, is it? No, it, the, the story is that we've got a change in the economy and it's changing the way we do business. The other thing is, is that for the first time in a long time, we're sitting on a lot of wealth. The American households have $115 trillion worth of wealth they're sitting on right now. And the uh, corporate people are sitting on about $3 trillion worth of cash. That's a lot of money chasing assets that are going up. And I have a a quick question because we've had a few economists on the show. Um, I haven't had a financial advisor yet, but next next week we will. Um, and the economists are saying that part of this wealth accumulation is, is A, the market did pretty well, and B, um, people just didn't have anywhere to spend their money. Well, it, it's a combination of things. We had 10 years of unfettered growth. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've had 10 years of great growth. Then when we got into COVID, we all went home. Right. And the government continued sending out money. Mm-hmm. And everybody was sitting with money that and no place to go. I mean... Uh, my dry cleaner said he could have dried up and gone away because he saw two people a month. Wow. And so nobody's going out, nobody's buying shoes, nobody's buying all of the things that you would normally buy to stay in fashion and where you're supposed to be in the world. Right. And that stopped. So all of that money, and I mean, you you didn't buy gas to go anywhere. I mean, I didn't start my car for 90 days. Good thing it's electric. Yeah. It's, <laughs> that one wasn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> but but it was that we've got a chunk of money and we've got no place to go and nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. So that's led to massive amounts of cash across the full economy being held. And that, that answer is a question I get every single day because people come to me and they say, Wendy, the prices are so high. How can anyone possibly come up with a down payment? Well, they're sitting on it. Right. They've been sitting at home, storing away cash, looking for something to do with it. Right. It's there, There's enough cash in the market to buy what you need to buy today. And there are plenty of people sitting with that cash trying to decide what to do. Okay. So because there's enough cash in the market and we have an unprecedented amount of wealth in America, why are prices going up? Is it just because we have to adjust the economy through rate hikes? What? Well, we're, we're going to see rate hikes over the next year. Okay. We, that's... I've, I was listening today, and it, I was told that it expects seven rate hikes this year okay. that will get close to 2% as the Fed rate. Mm-hmm. So they're going to do that to slow down inflation. We're also, I was told, that they're looking at a 5.5% inflation ratio for the next two to three years. Which is high, but it's better than seven. Right. But it's a lot better than the 14.86 during the Carter years. Got it. Got it. Yeah, Reagan walked into a mess, didn't he? Yes, he he did. <laughs> well, so, okay, so having said that, I, one of my, my favorite questions I was dying to ask you is, people treat inflation like it's a bad word. You know, it is the buzzword, you're hearing it everywhere, but is it is it necessarily a bad word, or is this sort of correction necessary? I, I, think, I think we've been depressed on rates and stuff and values for a long time, mm-hmm. so I think we're going to see some more. I think it's a good thing, mm-hmm. as long as it's controlled. If we stay at four to five to six, we'll be fine. Mm-hmm. You start getting up where you're looking at double digits, then all of a sudden your house goes up 10% in value every year just because it's sitting there. Wow. And right. so that's the problem. Is the, And in Orange County, we have a different problem because the houses are outstripping inflation. Right. If you did 2% last week and the number for the year was 7, 
I'm yeah. thinking there's a difference here. Yeah, there's a disparity there. I mean, and granted, I do a weekly analysis just for Orange County, so it bobbles up and down a little bit, but the trend, regardless, is very much upward. So. Well, well, I went back with the information you sent me, mm-hmm. and we've, for the last nine years, seen an average growth of about six and a quarter percent on the value of a home mm-hmm. in Orange County. Until? Until now, and we're seeing it 15 and 20. Yeah, it, it's, it's kind of nutty. I'm hoping that with what we're seeing, with this inflation hitting home, no pun intended, that uh, home prices might actually calm down a little bit, because it, it's getting oh, out of control. But if... I have money in the bank. Mm-hmm. My money is going to lose value in an inflationary period, and my house is going to gain value. So oh. I'm better off to move that cash from sitting still into an asset that's going to raise me, that's going to grow in value for me. Okay, so so for all the blondes out there, myself included, that translates to this is a smart time to buy a house. This is a great time to buy a house because you've got a combination of things coming together. If you take $100,000 and buy a million-dollar house with it, Mm-hmm. and inflation just stays at 5%. You don't get any market growth. You just get inflation mm-hmm. growth. That means your house is going to be worth a million five next year, a million one ten the following year, and mm-hmm. so on and so on. That doesn't take into account what the market's doing. It doesn't take into account all of the other things that are going on. So your house is going to go up in value anyway. Interesting. And See, I, and I've always thought it was smart to buy a house irrespective because well, you're going to well, have it as a long-term hold. But this makes it a really smart short-term game. Well, even if, if you buy a house and use it as a rental for 10 years and pull your money out, based on the things I'm seeing, you're getting about a 24% return over what happened the last nine years, not what's happening right now, which is going to give us an even better return. So when you say that, are you taking into account the tax benefits as well, or is that just the top-line figure? Just the top-line figure. And then when you put into it depreciation and amortization and interest and maintenance, all that, Mm -hmm. now you're reducing your taxable income Mm -hmm. and earning money that you're not paying any taxes on until you get it out. All right. So obviously, I'm bullish on real estate. Obviously, Uh, this is what I do. Right. But it has always been my assumption that... If someone was a business owner, like you and I are, we may not need to buy real estate because we've got enough write-offs and we, we can um, we can maximize our situation without real estate. It sounds to me like maybe buying a house would be smart in addition to. Well, buying a house is smart in addition to it. Think of it this way. If I own a restaurant, mm-hmm. I build my restaurant in this building, I do all of this work, I run my restaurant for 10 years and I decide I want out. My restaurant's worth nothing because I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. Now, if in the last 10 years, I'd bought the building, mm-hmm. paid for the building for 10 years, mm-hmm. and now I want to leave. All of my value that I've paid in rent is in my building that I can now get back out. And hopefully you got a really smart location. Yeah, and it, yeah. but it also works the same with housing. I need to live someplace. Mm-hmm. I've got to have a roof over my head, so buy a house, live in it. And that's something I keep telling people. You know, when they talk about the extreme volatility, A, I disagree. We had a massive, massive downturn, obviously, in 0809, but that was based upon so many different economic stressors, um, the, the lending guidelines and our willingness to kind of you know, turn our heads the other way and look the other way. None of those conditions exist now, and everyone has to live somewhere. Absolutely. It's, it's the idea of, I've got to have a house. I've got to live somewhere, mm-hmm. so why not use it as an investment and look at it as an, an investment, not just paying rent on a house or someplace to live. So 
we've touched on how this inflationary period is different because people have so many more cash assets. In what other ways is this inflationary period different from the late 70s, early 80s? Well, we don't have runaway interest rates. I mean, I okay. was when Carter was in the in the White House, I was working in equipment finance and they would change prime four times a day. I do remember that, yeah. I thought there was a monkey throwing darts at a wall to decide what prime was going <laughs> There be. might have been. <laughs> this was pre-technology and, in terms of data gathering. And yeah. we're also much more uh, energy independent in the United States mm. than we were then. Mm. We have enough oil in the United States to drive our own economy. So if that starts to become a play, the only problem with it is if oil prices start to go high, mm -hmm. that's good for us because it costs us $60 a barrel to make oil. Well, it sounds like that's part of the primary um, concern with the Ukraine issue, right? right? I mean, Europe is kind of going, oh, crap, yeah. that's all our fuel. All of our oil's over there. Right, yeah, right. It's, it's a big problem. and But it's not the problem that we had during the 70s when the Saudis mm -hmm. or OPEC basically shut us all down. Mm -hmm. And it was a good wake-up call, and it was a poorly handled mm. by the people that were in power at that time. I have more trust in the people that are in power right now than I do of what the people were during the Carter administration. Yeah, well, and, 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 and irrespective, um, that's a political discussion we could spend several more hours yeah, on. Yeah, so absolutely. I'm just going to leave it there. Uh, you did ask me to touch on something today, though, um, related to homeownership and versus control. So what is, what is your premise here, control versus ownership? Okay, if I... If I have a million dollars to invest, mm -hmm. my million dollars is going to grow, if I put it in a house, 6.24% a year. Fair. Okay. But if I buy the house and finance it, put $100,000 down, mm -hmm. I'm still getting that same 6.24% growth on my property. But now it's instead of being based on my $100,000, it's based on a million dollars. So you're going to earn back a bigger number because you've got this much at risk, the 100,000, mm -hmm. and then you've got 900,000 that you control. Right, so that the classic, the, the power of leverage. Right, and then, and then the other thing that's really important right now is we're talking about a rising rate market. Mm -hmm. I don't think, I never thought we were gonna see the rates we've seen. Neither did I. And I know that we're not gonna see them again for a long time. If, if ever. Yeah, if ever, and I don't wanna get back to how we got here. Sure. So. Think about this. If I can go out today, and I'm listening to the radio on the way in, they're, they're advertising 2.75, mm -hmm. which is, you know. If it's I, a 15-year fix if you have perfect credit, but anyway. Yeah, but if you have a 2. <laughs> if I can tie up money at 2.75, mm -hmm. and then interest goes to 4, mm -hmm. that money is free that I've borrowed to buy the house. Oh, absolutely. And do you think, and I mean, let's be real here, do you really think over the next 30 years, interest rates are going to stay below 5? I have to tell you, there was a point in my career when I swore mortgage interest rates would never go below six, because I, I thought that that would be too little money for banks to make business and you know to, to make a profit, and they're in the business of recycling, recirculating money. It, below 5%, I don't know. I, I have asked smart people, smarter than me, economists and, and financial brains, and they all say that they expect the, the general trend line is going to be wobbling up and down around the 5% mark. Okay, so, so if yeah. it's at 5% and you borrowed the money today at... 2.75 mm -hmm. your arbitrage on that's two and a quarter percent right right and it w if inflation is slated to go up five and a half percent even if you got a four percent interest rate or four four point five percent interest rate 
you're still getting tax deductions on this real estate investment, whether you live in it or you're renting it out. One way or the other, you're getting some or more right. write-offs. So you're still ahead of the game. Way far ahead of the game. So only when interest rates start to eclipse 5%, which nobody predicts anytime soon, might we have to have a different conversation. I don't think 5% is the number. I think it's higher than that. But Fair. I, Fair. I, I'm in the business community, and everybody talks about rates and what's going on. And mm-hmm. business doesn't care. Just tell us what the rules are, and we'll play by them. If you want to raise the rates to higher, that's just going to affect everything else. Just tell us those yeah. are the new rules. Right. That's, that's the one thing that I like about business is we will adapt. Mm-hmm. And I think this uh, is an economy. We'll adapt. And that's a fair point. I was talking to our mutual friend, Yvonne, yesterday about the um, the issue with avocados and the price of avocados. And he was saying, well, you know, there's alternatives and we could get just the avocado meat and a pulp. and, and But it's just not as good. He goes, I'll just pay triple and have the same quality in my restaurants. You know, so we just find a way to pivot and we adapt well, and survive. And, and, it, you know, it, he, he may raise the price on a guacamole a little bit yeah but it's not a lot mm-hmm. and those that's a great microcosm of what's going on mm-hmm. is the fact that one crazy person has screwed up the entire avocado market is that not stunning yeah it's, yeah so it's and we've got a lot of that today where 20 years ago or 30 years ago a crazy one crazy person couldn't do as much damage today mm-hmm. as they seem to be able to do today we are living in interesting times. Yes, the, the <laughs> quote and the curse. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, so you were talking to me about the wisdom of. Let's go back to that million dollar investment. There's a million dollar house, and you put a hundred thousand dollars down. And yes, people, ninety percent loans are very much out there. It's very commonplace. You can get one. The rates are attractive. You could get it interest only. Or you can get the loan where you're paying principal and interest. And what I found fascinating was that the better deployment of your capital is to do the P&I loan, but it's not that much less attractive just to do the interest-only loan. Well, to me, I do the interest-only. And then use your cash somewhere I'm, else. Because I'm never going to buy. I'm never going. I'm never going to own the house. How many people actually own their houses? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you you were saying that the turns are getting longer of how long people stay in their houses. Right. But that still that's just more equity I'm building. Right. And equity can be pulled out down the road. Right. I, I looked at two different models. I took that million dollar house. Mm-hmm. And if you if you gave yourself credit for making the payments, and these are based on 4% loans, and this is way oversimplified. If you really want to get into this, we can talk about it in depth. But I just did a little work for you. Okay. So if you took a million dollar home, put $100,000 down on it, and Let's use the annual growth rate of 6.24%. Mm-hmm. That's what we've That's had fair. over. And I'm using an interest rate of 4%. Mm-hmm. Also fair. So if you keep that house for nine years, because I'm using that 13 forward n- number, that house will be worth $1,724,300. And the payoff on it will be worth 729328 So you will net a profit of nine. $194,972 for putting $100,000 in the bank for nine years. See, this is math we don't think about. My mind is even a little blown here, and I do this for a living. Yeah, and it's just, and what you're doing is it's the same thing as putting the money in the in a savings account. And I don't know any, and I mean, the stock market has problems keeping mm-hmm. up with this. That's a growth of 21 25.81%. All right, so I'm, I'm sorry, but I have to say this. Yvonne, darling, if you're listening... This is not a bad investment. <laughs> and then, but then the other side of it, it's there's always somebody that says, well, you're taking advantage of the equity I've paid off and all of that to give me this artificially high number. So let's do an interest only loan. Okay. Let's just do an interest only loan. 
The house has grown to be a value of one million seven twenty four again. Mm -hmm. So at the end of it, now nine years later, you're going to sell it. You have eight hundred and twenty four thousand three hundred dollars in equity. That's still a growth of twenty three point six eight percent. And effectively, you had free housing the whole time. Yeah, effectively, you've you've lived someplace for free. And if you've turned it into a rental property, now, it, and just because I'm crazy, uh, <laughs> nine years worth of depreciation on your house is $300,000, or about 33000 a year. Mm -hmm. And your interest rate, based on 4%, your interest expense is $291,836. These are both write-offs that your rental now gets you, so you're going to have a rental that cash flows positive and loses money. Yeah. So now you don't pay taxes. Yeah. See, and this is why these big families, uh, the Hearsts and the Rockefellers, and they're, they're all known for having made investments in you know, publications and journalism and railroads and all of that. But they also had massive real estate portfolios. And Huge. this is why. Well, we, I mean, you can go back and look at the United States. Real estate has always gone up in value. Mm -hmm. And it's worse here in Southern California because we don't have any more land to build mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. And you get into an economy in a place where you've got the sunshine tax and all of that. Our values are just going to go up. Yes. And even if you look back at what happened 2008 and nine, mm -hmm. the people looking backwards at it today said you were stupid if you got out of your house. Right. If you had just left it alone, mm -hmm. you'd have been in a stronger point. And a lot of people destroyed their credit because they were sure they were never coming back. That's not possible. And many of them left the state and can't come back now. Right. They just sold their way out. I've got I've got a friend who sold their way out and moved out and has decided they don't like where they're living and want to come home and they're just like, I can't afford to live in California. Because this climate is real. I mean, there's a reason it's more expensive here. There's a reason, I don't know if I ever shared this with you, even though we're really good friends. Um, one of my one of my most prolific investors is actually a Hong Kong native, now living in Australia, and she invests in real estate around the world, only in coastal communities. And the investments that she's making are for her superannuation fund, which is her retirement fund for her employees. So she can't mess around with that. It has to be something she knows to be stable. And she has learned. She's a wise, wise woman. Well, well it, look at California. Mm -hmm. If you want to buy property cheap, go to San Bernardino. Right. Go to Riverside. Head inland. It, yeah, which nobody wants to do because you get other issues when you're head inland. Mm -hmm. Where if you're at the coastal area, which where we live, right. there's, yeah. I mean, it's paved from Brea to the ocean. Yeah. There's not a lot of land left to build yeah. on. Yeah. And that means those you've got a controlled inventory that's not going to grow mm -hmm. and more demand for that smaller inventory. Mm -hmm. So it's just a it's an inflationary market. Yeah. Yeah. And what wasn't it Mark Twain that said, you know, buy land they're not making any more of it? Yes. <laughs> I just I almost want a tattoo of that. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, there's just not any more. And COVID only exacerbated this, which is why we're, I think, my opinion, why we're having this extra um, crisis of lack of inventory here. We do have a dearth of inventory across the U.S. And reports that I read indicate that this is global. I mean, in, in Europe and throughout Scandinavia, they're having the same issue of housing shortages um, for a variety of reasons. And that, that speaks to societal growth and, you know, formulation of household because people are separating generations. And that could be because during COVID they were too close together and they didn't want to kill each other. So, you know, well, bad, better that we move out kind of thing. Well, but it's also people have found that they don't have to go to work every day. Right. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many people move to I can live here because I don't have to commute to there. Right. And that's going that's a big driver. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And, and you know, I, I track data. Realtor.com does really, really good data analysis. And so many people go to their website. They started tracking the IP addresses and saying, who that lives here is looking for houses where? And when you aggregate that, most people who are looking to buy or looking at listings anyway in Orange County, more than 50% are from other Southern California counties. Right. So it's this micro movement because, yeah, I, I can telecommute and I can live wherever I want. And relatively speaking, Orange County is a coastal community that's cheaper than the others if you want coastal living. Well, so. and it, it's also very Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if you like the Med, you like Orange County yeah. and San Diego County. I'm sorry, it's, you're there. Right. So right. you 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 have place to live that everybody wants to come visit. There's a reason that so many people want to come here. There's a reason there's so many reality TV shows. Not that I love them, but there are so many reality TV shows about living in Orange County. It's ridiculous. It's because the world wants to live here. Absolutely. So I could go on for days. Um, Paul, I, I know you always have questions. Do you want to chime in? <laughs> I was just curious if before I had you uh, talk about our sponsors, if you had any questions for Mr. Braveroff. I am writing them down. I got so many questions. Oh, okay. Here. All right. Let's hear it. All right. So you want to do the questions first or you want to do the uh, sponsor here? I leave it to you. Let's do the sponsor first. Okay. I, I pull my notes together here. Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, let's do that and come right back and talk about uh, some of my questions because I think there's a lot of it. You guys are opening the door to so many discussions that this we could go in lots of different directions here. I'm just trying to picture which way to go best here. But before they do that, let's do a little shout out to your uh, uh, sponsor here because you surround yourself with lots of great partners, including Ford and Diulio. Ford and Diulio is an Orange County-based boutique litigation firm with experienced attorneys from big law firms. Partners founded Ford and Diulio on the simple concept where their interests align directly to yours. That means they're rewarded for being efficient and effective and not just dragging out the litigation and driving up the bill. And where they engage in the relentless pursuit of their clients' goals, whether in litigation, mediation, or at trial. If that's something you're missing, easy way to fix it. Just go find them online, forddiulio.com. Just like it sounds, F-O-R-D-D-I-U-L-I-O, forddiulio.com. All right. Here's what blows my mind. Everybody said, I, I, I got 10 questions, but I'm, I'm going to throw one out here. <laughs> this guy comes in here. I'm sitting on the sidelines with $100,000 cash waiting for the market to cool or crash. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to go in and swoop it up. And you're saying, ain't going to cool, ain't going to crash. That's what Wendy's been saying for a while. Mm-hmm. And in fact, maybe... I'd do better to put that $100,000 in a piece of real estate, even if it's ridiculously priced right now, if I believe it's going to go up and I'm going to earn, I'm going to make money on that money where I'm not sitting in the bank right now. Because that's the weird thing in an inflation. I remember the Carter years, two ways everything inflated, cars, uh, houses, everything else shot up. But they also had, you you could make money just parking in the bank. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen that thing happens. So talk about that. Why aren't we getting 10% interest on our uh, CDs? And why is it better to pull it out of the bank and stick it into something where maybe it will go up 10%? The the idea of why we're not earning higher interest rates is we have had a long-term goal to depress interest rates in the United States. And the economists felt that that would power the economy and power our growth. They were right. We've had, we had 10 years of un- stopped growth and the only thing that got in the way is this little thing called covid (laughs) (laughs) so and 
I don't see them going back to those higher interest rates. I teach classes and talk to people, and I mean, I'm talking to a group of realtors, uh, commercial realtors, and they're going, oh, I'm going to die if interest rates go to six. And I'm going, I bought my first house at 13. Yeah, right. So, mm. you know, the, the interest rates, and oh, by the way, as interest rates go up, your house values also inflate because your house is stuck at that point. But the banks are, I, the only place I'm not seeing, I'm not earning more on my capital, my cash, is in the bank. It's mm-hmm. still 1%. Yeah. If, if you're getting that, you're right. doing great if right. you're getting 1%. And it's just, it's the way the economy has gone, and it's time for us, I think, a correction. I've heard several people say that inflation is a problem. We've been kicking down the road for 40 years, right? Mm-hmm. and it's coming back, and it's going to come back. And inflation, controlled inflation is a good thing. It's when, and all of these things, if it's controlled and done right, those are good things. Mm-hmm. It's when you get it out of control, where... I mean, Nixon, prior to Carter coming into the White House, literally locked prices for 90 days. You couldn't raise the price on anything people in People have forgotten States. that. I mean, they Can literally froze prices yeah, yeah. today. You and can't get people to wear a mask where you can tell you can't raise your prices. Right. Yes. And, right. and I, I, make, I bought a car during this time, and it's the only time I've ever bought a new car, driven it a year and a half, and sold it for more than I paid for. Yeah. Wow. And, right. But that was because I bought it in this little time zone. Mm-hmm. And... I would, getting back to that, scary, sure. but getting a little bit inflation. I also have a different view on inflation and interest. My mother, my ex-girlfriend, they live off their interest or income. Mm-hmm. So if you're making 2%, how much money are you putting back in the economy? Right. right. If you're making 5 or 6% on your money, now you've got more money to take the grandkids out, to buy mm-hmm. cars, sure. to do all these things. So it'll bring this group that's kind of sitting on the sidelines. Mm-hmm being really careful back into the market with cash to spend before i jump in and ask 10 more questions because i won't i know wendy's got a lot of other things to cover here but would you bring him back because i want to know why a little inflation is good everybody always says that and i go no i don't want any inflation i think I we have time let's have one more question why is a little i've heard this for years economists said we want it to be two three maybe up to five this is a good thing for the economy if everything goes up in value and i'm like no, it's not because maybe it's because I'm getting older. I'm getting looking at a fixed income someday where everything's going to cost more and more. That doesn't sound good to me. But in, the idea of inflation going up, all boats rise together. Mm-hmm. And you're right. When you get to the retirement age, you better be prepared for this. Mm-hmm. But if inflation is raising the price, people are being rewarded for making more things. They're, you're able to give employees raises. It's a circle. You know, mm-hmm. Ford, when he started... Ford motor cars mm-hmm. got in trouble with everybody else because he started paying his employees a living wage so they could buy his car. Yeah, and he that was cre- a very smart thing. He to created do. his own customers. Five dollar day when nobody uh, got five dollars, uh, whatever. Right, yeah. but he created his own economy, and that was an inflationary thing. But it also spurred the growth in his business, and inflation does spur growth. Mm-hmm. So to your point, Paul, I mean, we're not going to be making as much money on our, our savings accounts, especially as we're elderly, and we have to start looking into diversification of our investments. Real estate is certainly part of that. It's not all of it, but it's part of it. Mm-hmm. And also, and to the point of our prior guest, the reason I had Pete Tentler on was to talk about reverse mortgages. So you have an equity line against your home if you're over the age of 55, just in case. 
Yeah, right. You know, you, you want to have it just in case. You want to have mattress money, so to speak. So there are many different ways that we can you know, we can build. Well, not we, because I'm not a financial advisor, but a financial <laughs> advisor can help you build a plan um, to where this sort of inflationary period isn't daunting. So is the mattress money that I was always taught to hold on to by my by my depression era parents that never put it all at risk. You got to have some of it in a mattress, in a jar, buried in the backyard. I don't care if it's earning anything. Right, it's there. Right. But they also paid off their mortgage, too. It was a great oh. source of pride to pay off. That's why they painted yeah. the front door red. That's what that means. My mortgage is paid. They, they paid They paid cash for their cars. Yeah. Cash. Every month. Yeah. Parents yeah, they paid, paid cash for everything. Right. Yeah. And, it's, and the economy has changed. And interest and being able to borrow money fuels economy growth. Mm-hmm. Because if I, if I need to spend a million dollars to buy a house... I need to buy spend a hundred thousand. Which one of these is easier? Mm-hmm. And, and our economy, our economy, and our laws have changed so much. Like today, we don't have to worry about a bank closing and us not getting to our money. Right. You know, we don't have to worry about um, a, a carpetbagger coming and foreclosing on our house. There, there are so many um, protections and regulations in place. We just live in a different time. Well, and we we also live in the great communist state of California. <laughs> where, oh, we're going to go there, are we're, we? Okay. We're, no, we're, we're, where you have every protection possible. You have right. more protections in the state of California. And I'm a native Californian. I'm not leaving. I <laughs> use that light as a joke. But the fact is... The People's Republic of California. Yeah, the yeah. People's I know. Republic. I know. And it's we've got all of these rules. And we keep writing new rules. Yes. Which So as a consumer... You're in the best place in the world to buy. Frankly, yeah. yeah. Well, so is the mattress sure, yeah. money your house then, and you pull it out with a reverse mortgage, and you don't have $100,000 just-in-case money sitting in a bank account earning 1%? Absolutely. Your, your house, and I mean, don't treat it like an ATM, but do consider it as an investment and what mm-hmm. is, where it's going to be. Because the other side of it is I've got friends who bought houses 30 years ago, and they can now reverse mortgage that house. Mm-hmm. And they'll never have to move out of that house. Right. And they will have enough money to support themselves. Right. And when they get to the point where they have to move out of the house, they'll still have value in that house mm-hmm. because of the way the mortgage the mortgage and inflation and everything works. So at least for the next couple of years, it seems really reasonable to assume we're going to have housing appreciation of at least 6%. You know, and that's exponential, right? You and say that so casually. 6% for the next couple of years. It was 15.8% overall last year. I know. But we keep thinking insane. this is a temporary bump and we're going to go back to 1, I 2, nothing. For, I think for a couple of years it's going to be in the 6% range. And then it might taper down to be to bump along between 4 and 5. But 6% I think is going to be at least through 2023. And if inflation comes in at 5.5% versus a 7% and you're getting a mortgage interest rate of 4% or less, how do you not come out ahead? And I guess the question is then, is there what competes with that money? It used to be in the Carter years, you just let it set in the bank and you're getting 18% on, on a uh, mm-hmm. certificate of deposit. Mm-hmm. My, my theory is that if you want to protect yourself from inflation, invest yourself in market-style appreciating assets. A house is a great house, real estate, uh, anything that's going to appreciate. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing that I know of that appreciates like real estate. Right. Well, and very few things that have this degree of appreciation also have tax benefit. Right. And granted, our tax benefit has been, that's been a moving target lately. It's yeah. changed a great deal for these high-cost areas, and I'm really hoping that we get some salt tax cap reforms. Yeah. But even that aside, how many times do you get to invest in something and you get tax benefit from it, aside from charitable contributions? But they're not giving you the ROI we're talking about. Now are they? Just joy. 
<laughs> and there's joy and charity. I'm I talk about appreciation. I appreciate this conversation because I'm really going to go home and think about this one. Because uh, I've, I've been too much of that guy that says you always got to have cash for emergencies. And when COVID hit, oh, see, that's why I got cash. You know, if I have to, I've got cash. Mm-hmm. But maybe the cash is in my house and not so you, in my bank. You might want to rethink the gold bars. Yeah. Just saying. Uh, <laughs> right? Or gold bars. People were buying gold, literally. I'm not you know. kidding. I know. Yeah, right. I know. All right. Well, yes, we, we will have Bruce back because we have to have this conversation later in the year to see how accurate we were, for one. Um, and then next year, you know, because this is not a short-term conversation. No. This is We're here for a while. And I, and I think it's, it's, you know, it's fun to watch. Yeah. But it's scary also because you, a year ago I was with him. The house, I'm going to wait until the market crashes. Yeah, we were talking a year ago. Uh huh. And I was like, no, 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 no. Fine, all right, you can wait. Hmm. All right, so I'm going to table this because uh, I, every week, you know, I want to, I know you and love you, but I want our, my listeners and Paul to know you like I do. So I'm going to ask you the same version of questions I ask everyone. It's my own little version of the Vanity Fair Proust questionnaire. So here we go. I know, but they don't know. What city do you call home? Brea. And since, you know, I'm about real estate. What, what do you love about Brea? I am one of the millennials moving. Um, not, uh, I love you, but. You became I, a millennial? He I'm looks not, a little long in the truth to be a millennial here. I lost the long. Baby boomer. Baby boomer. I'm one of the baby boomers that's moving back into the community, cities. Mm. I live two blocks from downtown Brea. I mm-hmm. can walk to great restaurants. I can walk to movie theaters. I've got a little Mexican restaurant right out my back door. Mm-hmm. And I love that about being able to walk. I went home on Friday and didn't drive my car until this morning. That's awesome. And, you make a really good point. Yeah. Have you heard of the thing called the walk score? No. In real estate listings, consumers are demanding to know how walkable is this address. There's actually a, fu- a phenomenon called the wow, walk score. We should do a show on that. Yeah. There's an algorithm for that. So, wow. yeah. You're, you're, it's, I, I love Go it you. because I can walk to everything. And how healthy that you're walking to everything. I support this. Exactly. I'll give you one more. Sorry to jump in again here, but I just see another trend. I, I sit at sort of the crossroads of Orange County. I hear these conversations on different shows. And why don't we do an electric bike show? Mm. And the people who are buying electric bikes are my age. They're aging baby boomers, mostly. Mm. Kids, yes. I know kids are crazy about them. But aging baby boomers. And what they're doing is they're not only getting out and active, they're getting rid of a car. Nice. They're living somewhere close enough where they can just bike somewhere and giving up that car cost. I support that impact on the on the environment or the reverse impact. That's yeah, fabulous. Right. I All agree. Right. So getting back to you, Mr. Bruce, what is your most treasured possession? Wow. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? I have a frying pan. I love this. Tell me. Tell me everything. I have, and you know, I love to cook. Yes. I, it's my hobby. And I have a frying pan that my grandmother got as a wedding gift, and it was used. Oh. And my mother is 86 years old, so this co- this frying pan's at least 90 years old. Is it a big old cast iron? A big old heavy oh. cast iron that just says "Made in the USA" on the bottom I of it. I love that. And it's one of my. It's a prized possession. It's weird. I didn't even. It's like it ties me to that place in time because I learned to cook from her. I love that. My family has a wooden um, baking table, so it has the curved drawers, the metal drawers for flour and stuff mm-hmm. that came from Finland, from the old country. I dig that answer. Yeah, it's just, I I don't know where that one came from, but that's it. And I've known you for a long time. I didn't know that. Yeah. All right, so considering all that you've done, and I know that you come from 
a family with with a music store and running around with crazy musicians and it's a topic for a whole other show Paul you have no idea so considering where you came from and what you've done since and all the different companies that you've helped as they grow and and sell and do whatever they're gonna do what is your greatest achievement to date rescuing a company oh. I've rescued a couple of companies where um, there's one in Denver that I saved uh, 140 jobs Wow a hundred year old company ah oh. Uh, first, really, the first kind of CFO assignment I had was this one, it, and I, that's what I like about what I'm doing because, with the ones that I'm not rescuing, I'm helping them grow. Right. We're, I've got one client that did 22 million dollars in 21, did or in 20, did 38 million in 21, mm-hmm. and we'll do 60 in 20, in 22, and that growth is feeding all of these people and their families and they're all of the people you have to take care of mm-hmm. when you own a company. And I, awesome. I really like that part of my job. And that's so much the wisdom of having an outside <coughs> set of eyes who isn't attached to your business emotionally really take a look at all the moving parts and say, you know, if we just tweak this a little bit, then you're going to get more. So that's amazing. <coughs> now, excuse me. I know um, not everyone has a personal motto. Do you? And if you do, what is it? You know the answer to this. I kind of do. My personal motto is E Pluribus Unum. And it means it was what the motto of the United States was Mm -hmm. and is still used a little bit. And it means out of many, one. Yes. Because I don't think anybody is all and everything all by themselves. Mm -mm. It takes a group and the look here. We all support each other. Out of many, one group, one. That's awesome. We are the United States Mm -hmm. of America. Yes. That's the intention anyway. Again, not going to go down any political rabbit holes because we've done so, so well. Well, I I love you. You know that. I love having you here. I know how to reach you. But for the listeners, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, Real easy. Uh, It's mrb-cfo.com is my website. Great. And my phone number is 951-232-1722. And uh, if you want to discuss this sort of thing in more depth, I can do it. I have really dumbed it down for this. Well, we have to. Well, but it's it's you have it's, to because I'm here. So yeah. all right. <laughs> but I I think I think it's something that everybody that's sitting on money needs to be looking at. And this is something that I tell all of my would be clients. It's not for me to tell you if you should buy a house. It's not for me to tell you if you should sell a house. It's for you to get greater minds like Bruce and other financial people to review your whole financial situation and help you determine if the time is right. And once you've reached that decision based upon good information, it's my job to do the very best job I can for you. So please know, we, we wear very different hats. I'm not going to tell you if it's time. That's Bruce's job. I really don't tell you the time. I give you all the facts and then let you make your own mind up. Right, based upon... You know, here's what here's what you've got. Here are your choices. Mm-hmm. It's your decision. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it may or may not be the right time. So. Right. But when it's the right time, I'm your girl. All right, so that's that's a wrap for this week. Um, I invite everyone to stay tuned for next week when I'm going to have Philippe Ertley. He's with California Capital. Talk about just the same thing we're talking about, but more nuance about financial advisory and one's personal financial landscape and how real estate may or may not fit into that picture. So please follow me, Wendy Ross and Veracity Real Estate on Instagram and LinkedIn. And you can also subscribe to this show, This Week with Wendy, wherever you like to listen to your favorite podcasts. Take care. (laughs) 